And here we are. Hope you're having a great start to your Monday. Hopefully, Moo Monday, you're listening to this. Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it may be. We are back again. Episode 62. To hear, for you guys to hear us talk about your favorite sports. We got some racing. We got some football. We got a little bit of hockey. Yep, hockey's back. And like always, a great random topic of the week. But before we get into all those different things and all these great discussion points, why? how are things? What's it like in uh, the West Coast? Uh, you know, it's uh, it's good. We've hit rain season out here. So, uh, you know, we're all it is is essentially like torrential downpours. Um, you know, rain jacket's got to be ready. I'm out there uh, repping the, the bright orange one. You know, rain jackets can only come in bright colors. Uh, looking like a traffic cone out there. Um, it, it's a tough look, but I tell myself that I'm rocking it. There you go, man. Confidence. Confidence over everything else. There you go. Um, great to hear. Great to hear. And, uh, you know, you've been a little active on social media, posting uh, stories and such about a uh, new lady friend. So congrats there. That's exciting. Um, let's uh, let's get into it. And, you know, to transition on a negative note, we got the Ryder Cup. I uh, lost a couple bucks thinking, you know, Team Europe would uh, surprise a couple people like they like they always do year in, year out. And that was not the case this year. They got utterly destroyed. Um, believe the final score was 19-8. Is that somewhere around there? Could be. I'm not going to lie. Like the match play scoring, I've never understood. Like I, it'll be like, two up one down or whatever. And I'm just like, it, I've also never actually watched like any of the match play tournaments, but just yeah. looking at it, I don't understand, but yeah, that, that sounds about right from what I was seeing in, in how big of a, a, a mess it was for Europe. It was, uh, it was pretty strange. Cause in a sense, the, uh, so Patty Harrington was the, uh, the captain essentially coach, right. Of, of team Europe. And he picked only three players, right? I guess based off the rules, you know, so many guys fell in the top 30 or top 20. I don't know what it is. The yeah. ranking is it, but anyways, for people who don't know, right. Players are automatically chosen based off of their world ranking. Um, ultimately short uh, Stricker captain USA was forced to pick uh, six players while Patty was forced to pick three. Uh, Patty ultimately picked uh, Sergio Garcia. Bold um, move immediately. Bold move, decision. but man, he was he was the second best player for Team Europe, so worked out well there. Um, Garcia, followed by uh, Shane Lowry, who's in the past has done really well on international uh, majors, right? So who actually did did a half decent job, and the uh, the third guy escapes me, but he was um, uh, a like a veteran guy, a little bit older with kind of like past experience. Um, pull it up right now before I, cause I break down cause this does play into a factor. Okay. Well, while I think about it, um, this is kind of regarded as one of the best outings for team USA ever at the Ryder cup. Um, they are one of the only three teams, not even just team USA teams to ever win all three days. Right. So, uh, foursome, uh, match play and then force, uh, stroke play as well. I think on the, the first two days, anyways, complete and utter shit show on the Europe part. Um, I can't find whoever the third third, third captain pick was for Team U- Team uh, Europe. But long story short, is Europe can thank John Rom and Sergio Garcia for at least keeping it involved. I it's something stupid. Why I think that those two accounted for like fifty percent of the points for Team Europe. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, like in any sport, you don't want that to happen. But like, if that's happening in golf, you're in trouble. It's essentially the Tampa Bay Lightning in Team USA with just fucking all-around talent against uh, the Edmonton Oilers in Team Europe with two guys and just a bunch of fillers at this point. Um, but yeah, kind of, you know, Team Europe, Rom and Garcia, USA, Johnson and Morikawa were on fire. I don't think either of them lost their two matches. I know Johnson for sure won all of his matches and played uh, five different events. So yeah, fucking rights, DJ. Yeah, uh, I mean, like US also has some of the hottest golfers in the world this year. Like good-looking dudes? Well, that, yeah. <laughs> Just a team of man rockets. But, like, in terms of guys who've recently won. Yeah, for I mean, sure. DJ hasn't recently won anything, but the guy can turn it on at any point. No, absolutely, right? Morikawa, um, 
guy is just all he does right now is just fucking win and have fun. Um, Shoffley guy was pretty good. He uh, won the gold medal back in um, fucking Tokyo and then did really well here in the uh, Ryder Cup. So, you know, unlike you, I not a, I don't like watching golf, but I enjoyed watching the Ryder Cup. It was pretty entertaining. And I don't know about you, but it's just like it's like the world juniors, right? Like he, the, you can just see the players give a shit a lot more. Right. Same with well, um, the it's, also, Cup it's always and, like an added bonus when it's national pride. Right. I mean, for like sure. for the for the Americans, like for Team USA more so than Team Europe. Like at that point, it's just we don't want the U.S. to be superior. It's it would um, be like Team USA versus Spain. That's really it. That's it. Yeah, pretty maybe much. Ireland or uh, England, but still. No, well said. I think uh, you know that's uh, let's jump off to a sport we barely talk about to another sport we barely talk about, and that is uh, football. Uh, the English Premier League is you know well underway. We had uh, season five of this year's um, 2021 campaign. Uh, a couple surprising games, no less. We have Arsenal winning 3-1 over Tottenham. Tottenham also taking a fat loss to Chelsea, 3 nothing. Tottenham's uh, just a dumpster fire. Like, yeah, let's so, put that. Arsenal is already a dumpster fire. Tottenham is even worse than Arsenal. So so I know, yeah. So let's let's hear it. What makes them such a shit show this year? And, and just, they've colossally fallen off the face of the earth and now just what do you make of the hotspur well so here's the thing like their team revolves around sun and it revolves around harry kane harry kane essentially quit so yeah we we go on and on about respect that (laughs) like american football players and hockey players demanding trades and not honoring their contract it's so much worse in european football like it's it's unmatched and the guy like he, he pretty much quit and he he had his foot out the door um he thought he was going to city city signs Grealish, then says harry kane we don't want you we don't need you partially because he was absolute shit for uh for england at the euros jake teal friend of the show just scored in the uh, bronze medal match let's go in case, in case you're wondering um, but I'm yeah, I was wondering, baby, Here put you go. on an absolute stinker for England at the Euros. Nobody wants him at that point. At that point, he essentially told Tottenham, like, fuck you guys. I'm out of here. And then he has to walk back with his tail between his legs. They refused to play him for the first like two or three games. because like, we don't need you. They ended up, uh, they beat city in the first game. Shockingly, like ridiculous. Um, and yeah, now it's just, He's actually playing. It's kind of like they're kind of falling apart. Like it's a mess. Arsenal is just like, I don't really have anything to say about Arsenal. They're just, uh, since they removed Arsene Wenger as their, uh, their manager, like it's, it's just been a, a mess. There's really no word to describe it. I'm going to give out a dollar every time I say the word, but like there's, there's no other way to describe it. Um, And I don't know if you saw the Villa versus uh, United game yesterday, but some of the shithousery that goes on in soccer, shithousery, word of the week. There you go. Um, The goalie screaming at Bruno Fernandez as he goes to take the tying PK in the 94th minute, screaming at him, Ronaldo should be taking this, not you. Get Ronaldo to take it. Bruno Fernandez steps up to the spot, pastes it over the net. <laughs> Mental games. <laughs> oh man, especially being a goalie in that sport. Fuck, man. Well, like, what are you supposed to do in that circumstance? Try and dive, right? You're guessing, but that's uh that's pretty cool. He uh, was able to do that. And then I heard that the manager of Man U got into some shit, right? Like the the media was questioning like why, you know, why Fernandez over Ronaldo. You know, Ronaldo's known as one of the best ever to take penalty kicks, but United but, is uh, the Maple Leafs. So like it the, the media scrutiny is gonna come with anything. Um, in terms of Fernandez taking it, the guy's the best penalty taker in, in the Premier League. Like he he doesn't miss. I think he went eleven for eleven last year. Um, and like You'd people, want those odds. <laughs> yeah, like like people make fun of him because that's the only way he scores. But he also doesn't miss. Like I think I want to say he had twenty goals last year, and eleven so, of them t- came via the penalty. But so I mean, Michael Grabner, also, pretty much. <laughs> like the the guy just your doesn't favorite miss. hockey like, player. <laughs> like yes you have Ronaldo there and yes Ronaldo's the greatest goal scorer but as i said during the euros 
you don't necessarily always want a pure goal scorer taking a penalty. No, absolutely. No, well said. I think it's just, it's been a wild week for the EPL and, and, um, you know, UEFA is going on too. So there's always some quality football to watch. It's it's uh, always wild, man. Like I've said this before, I will say it again. Football, European football is the most unpredictable sport in the world. You can have a third team, English third tier, English team beat a premier league team. And like, nobody really bats an eye because like it happens and it happens like almost every year. And it's ridiculous. Like you had young boys beat United yeah. in champions league. Like it, it's ridiculous, but it's also makes it that much more fun because you don't really see that in American sports. Yeah, for sure. Well said. Um, let's, uh, we'll transition, you know, get a little bit of racing underway. Um, you know, in Russia this week, F1 kind of getting back to normal in terms of the results. You see Hamilton and Verstappen didn't try and kill each other. You know, Hamilton comes first, Verstappen second, Carlos Sainz third. Um, you know, kind of your typical race. Hamilton dominated. He uh, won by just over 50 seconds, which is pretty remarkable. Um, interesting, too, with Verstappen. And, you know, you know, uh, was forced to change his engine. So ultimately, he started in last, but really the, the title, right, is started in the pit lane um, and managed to weigh, managed to find his way back to second place. So that's pretty remarkable. Uh, one thing that's pretty, pretty cool too, is Volteri Bottas finished fifth, you know, helping uh, Mercedes stay within Red Bull for the champion, uh, the um, constructors championship. And Perez, I think finished ninth, I want to say. So that's ultimately impacted Red Bull's chance, but, you know, just kind of, it is F1 went back to kind of, you know, what everyone expected, right? Mercedes, Red Bull, one, two, um, Bottas within the top six and then Perez, you know, kind of a wild card from time to time, depending on the track and, and circumstances, but he ultimately finished, you know, later in the top 10, but uh, you know, it's back to normal. It's ultimately, you don't want to see anything happen to what, what Hamilton went through the, the past race. That was a very scary incident, something you fear for his life, but you know, back to normal and, you know, everyone's okay and everything, no one's hurt or anything like that. So that's good to see, but did you uh, did you catch any of the F one race this morning or yesterday morning? I saw it, and all Monday? I all I heard was uh, the criticism of Norris and the team of him staying on dries too long. Yeah, just I, I like, personally for, for what goes on in that like in that sport and the thinking that goes into it. There's so much criticism of the tire decisions, and I think it's hilarious. It's. You're totally right. Some of the drama that's created, well, not really created, just like it's given, right? Based off of like, there's always kind of two schools of thought, right? There's always the um, the the coaches and all like the math people, right? Who can kind of figure out, okay, when to change the tires at a certain time, right? It's going to impact our our speed and tire quality later in the race, you know, all, all the analytics and data. And then you'll get a guy who's racing and just says, fuck you, I'm not going in, right? I'm going to keep going. Um one thing that I remember that I really like vividly remember was I think it was two races ago, Red Bull's telling Verstappen to pit. Verstappen's like, like, I'm fucking racing, man. What do you want me to do? Like if, if I pit now, right, based off his opinion and what he's feeling behind the wheel, right, is that he can't keep this pace or, or whatever, right? It's going to be impacting his performance. But there's always that exciting moment where you'll get a team, right, that says, okay, our racing strategist thinks that we need to pit now. And it's going to impact, you know, our weather patterns, our uh, our impact coming out of the pits, whatever it may be. And then you'll get the driver to, you know, fuck off. No, I'm staying out, right? So that's always pretty cool. And I think that's something you don't see very often in two with sports. I mean, the only immediate... well, it's, it's not often that the athlete actually has like, a, like a a place to to say his his point of view, right? And and sure. at this point, like nobody can can force him to do anything, like he's out on the track. Nobody else is with him. Like you're not going to have a quarterback go out there and, and call his own plays, turn his headset off. Like that's just (laughs) not going to happen. He's going to get pulled off the field. The backup's going to get shoved in and the backup's going to listen. Right. So it's, it's unique in the spec, in the fact that like, you know, me, I don't really, I'm not a big race guy. Uh, I'm not a big believer in like the, the automotive side, but that's something that I've always found cool is, they're they're calling their own shots like they they got the advice coming in but at the end of the day they're making every decision yeah no big time too one thing you'll see too right with with guys who are more experienced right so like older guys like fernando alonso too like his team really lets him kind of dictate the pace 
right? Not the speed in itself, but more of like kind of decisions and things like that, where, you know, you'll see a lot of Mercedes, right? Specifically, you'll see with Botas because they, they, they like kind of Hamilton do his thing, right? And try and come top three. And then Botas is always either about fastest lap or trying to get him to pretty much make sure Hamilton wins. So they'll fuck with this guy and tell him when to change and when to race harder and things like that. And this guy's just like, kind of what's led to his leaving. I'm sure of it going to um, Alfa Romeo, but yeah, like racing is so exciting in some senses because it's so strategy give a like, strategy derived and enforced on the race car or racer himself. So that's, you know, like you said, right. It's pretty cool that aspect, but I, you always got to love a whole uh, fuck you. I'm staying out. I'm racing and just so exciting. So I'm going to give you like with, uh, with Botas and Hamilton, I, this is what happens in track. That's almost exactly the same. Yeah, so cool. I can't remember what school it was. I want to say it was Toronto and Toronto had like the number one ranked uh, 3000 meter guy. So they go into the 3000 meter final and Toronto has like two or three guys. And there's one guy who shouldn't really have qualified. <laughs> so yeah, the race they, tell the, for something. they tell this guy, they're like, go out hard. So the guy goes out for like the first 1500 meters and this guy's like flying, like pushing the pace. Like you can see the guys behind him are gassed. And then you see at the back of the pack, the other two Toronto guys are just chilling there. They hit like the 2000 meter mark. So two thirds of the way through guy walks off the track. <laughs> this guy, that's was, amazing. His entire job was to go out there for more than half of the race try and gas everybody yeah. else while his teammates chill in the background and make sure that they're within striking distance and then just dip. Like, I don't know if he was actually instructed to just like walk off the track um, or if he was just gassed at that point and didn't want to go another kilometer, but to finish I'm, last standing, or something, I'm yeah. standing there. I'm like, you can actually do that. <laughs> That's amazing, man. That's so cool. That's wild. I think just like being the athlete within, like what happens if your coach is like, okay, you're going to push hard, essentially taking yourself out of the race, right? You're going to be finishing last. Oh, there's like, definitely you like a, your team a win. fuck you point. Like, like I think most people would be like, well, screw that. Like I'm going to go out, but I'm going to go out like flying and hopefully like I can pull something. Yeah. Cause I think there was, there was a Ken like in the Olympic and the international, like usually somebody will, will take the, the reins and, and, set the pace and every now and then you'll get somebody who's young and relatively unexperienced and in one of their first finals and they will take off flying and they'll get almost like three quarters of a lap on the competition and you're like holy crap this guy has it like why doesn't everybody do this and then the last <laughs> lap comes around and the guy ends up coming in last place and i think that's it's something that i think a lot of people will think like oh i can do this like i can just go out fast and mm -hmm. there, there's a reason why people don't do that <laughs> that's an awesome story oh that's so cool um yeah i know i mean you'll see like yeah guys come out hot and it impacts their performance but you know other other guys you know really take the slow and steady pace and then kind of you know push off in the later later parts of the race but you know we've, we've seen a team like the kansas city chiefs kind of take a slow start to this uh this year's nfl season um, they've really started one and three, if you consider the, the Super Bowl loss, right? One, one of the last four games. Um, but you know, what's kind of your comments on week three now that we'll have two games to still discuss, uh, while we record this episode, but you know, chiefs one and three, three weeks now done in the NFL season. What are kind of your takeaways? First off, that was a smooth transition. I got to give you that. that was, you I, I like that. Um, you're going to hear no complaints from me about the chiefs being one and two absolutely not they should be 0-3 um I'm happy about it I'm a big Chargers <laughs> guy I love me some yeah. Jay Herbo um yeah you're gonna hear no complaints about me 100% they deserve to lose that game today um some of the dumb shit that Mahomes does is coming back to him like why are you throwing a no look pass like why are you doing that throws it behind his wide receiver easily picked off uh, took an unnecessary risk on the Kelsey throw that led to uh, to the Los Angeles touchdown late in the game, or that ended up closing out the game. Um, it's it's just stuff that doesn't really need to happen. And um, 
I mean, we're, we're going to see what happens next week. Uh, I don't know if you saw Andy Reid ended up going to the hospital after the game. Um, I guess he, he didn't feel too well. So hopefully that's all okay. But, recovery. Um, yeah, I mean, it, if it, it could be interesting if he's not available to to be on the bench next this week, um, how that goes down. But yeah, I mean, you know me, like I like to see some differentiation if the Pats aren't doing well and it looks like a a mess of a year this year for the yeah, Pats. It could, it could get Tom ugly, Brady's yeah. going to go for 550 yards next week. <laughs> um, so that's that's going to be a blast. But yeah, I mean. Hey, you're, you're going to get an entertaining game if the Chiefs are on the field, and that's exactly what it was this week. And uh, the Chargers deserve to win. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, the Dolphins are on the two-yard line right now with 10 seconds left, and they've been stuffed twice. Brissett brings it back. Panic, panic, panic button. Shimmy ties the game. They all oh, six points. There you go. Now they need a two-point convert, and, and we'll be okay. But... Yeah, no, I, the uh, the reason why I just kind of broke down that dolphin sequence right there, but you know, talking about the uh, the AFC East, right? Before we get into that, right? Well, well documented Chiefs analysis. Um, I guess on a positive note, um, Biemi, right? He's the offensive coordinator. Is that is that true? Is that how you pronounce his name for the Chiefs? Oh yeah, probably. Yeah, so I mean, the, the kind of the the comment is he's. Um, kind of the next guy to become a head coach. So maybe we can see him take over and, uh, you know, lead the way, but, uh, but yeah, kind of transitioning to the AFC East and, you know, bills are two and one Pats are one and two jets are zero and three. Right. And dolphins, who knows, they just tied it up against the Raiders, but it's, uh, has that division in your eyes quickly become one of the, you know, yep, bottom, it's horrible bottom two in the league. I was, I was going to say the same thing. It's worse than the, uh, then Washington, the Giants, Philadelphia, and Dallas. Like, it's horrible. It's a horrible division. The uh, yeah, I mean to kind of lead the way, the Jets are a fucking disaster. Um, bef- you know, was this a surprise to you? You, know, you? you see Salah coming in, right? The Jets haven't scored in two straight games now, and a defensive um, defensive minded coach becoming you know total off uh, total head coach. What are your thoughts on that is that surprise you at all or just kind of that team's a shit show and zach wilson seeing ghosts right now yeah i mean it it's gonna be tough and i'm i know both of us are big believers in rookies shouldn't really play um yeah. and i think we're seeing a guy who was seen as very raw coming out of college as it was similar to sam darnold and now we're seeing what sam darnold can do when he leaves, I mean, the guys yeah, look phenomenal. Good. Um, so CMC, so we'll see, but yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, we're, we're seeing once again, I think Zach Wilson's a guy who could be very good if he was able to kind of marinate a little bit on the sideline, similar to what the, the Niners are doing with Trey Lance. Um, I, I think they would have been smart to bring back Fitzpatrick. Um, I think, Zach Wilson and Fitzpatrick while Zach Wilson's more mobile and he's got a stronger arm. I think that would have been a great guy to learn from. Uh, Fitzpatrick's familiar with the jets. I think that would have been a good fit for them, but I mean, their defense hasn't been terrible. I mean, they held the Pats very well and managed to limit the scores off the turnovers. Um, Only give up 26 to the, to the Broncos today, which are, it's not bad. Yeah, and it's just I don't know what to say about the Jets at this point. Like it it never seems like it's gonna get better. And if you're a Jets and a Mets fan, I am sin- <laughs> sincerely apologize for what you go through. Yeah, no, I mean you you totally broke it down. Um and then yeah, it's just like that team's just always trying to rebuild, right? No matter who they have in charge. Right, Gase. Uh, I mean, the Browns it. were able to figure it out, so like that gives me some, some hope. hope. Yeah. Um, at least the Jets won a playoff game within the last what fifteen years. Um, so there's that. Um, they're doing better than the Bengals. <laughs> yeah, but hey, man, Bengals are three and one this week, and they play. Uh, I think the Texans. No, they play the Texans or the Jets. Someone shit next week, and they can go. Even a, even a two and one, sorry, two and one could go three and one. 
Um, no, like you totally said, right. And then you got our teams, the Pats and the, and the Dolphins who are, you know, one team, well, I guess both are playoff hopefuls going into this season. Um, Dolphins look like Dolphins are still alive. Pats, I got no hope. We're three games in. I got no hope. <laughs> Just already looking forward to next year. Um, but let's kind of go in uh, a couple other teams that have surprised you so far, but what teams uh, do you want to talk about now? Um, I mean, I can't get a read on Detroit. Like I really can't, like it, it, they look like they could be a really good team with games like this week. Um, I mean, you're, you're beating Baltimore until the last play where Justin Tucker pulls the longest field goal in NFL history out of his ass and doinks it off the crossbar and through, um, they looked good. They looked incredible for the first half against Green Bay last week until Aaron Jones decided that he was Derrick Henry. Um, and they looked good in week one against the Niners. Even though they gave up 40 points, they scored 34. Um, I, just, I can't get a read on them. Uh, it's, it's like a team that could win every game, but <laughs> they're not going to. That's, that's kind of my thing. Uh, Jared Goff kind of plays half the football game. Like he's a really good quarterback. And then the other half, like he forgets what team he's playing for. Um, So they're just, they're a team that I don't know that they've kind of surprised me in the fact that two of the three games so far have been very close and they've played three very good teams that I think all three of them should go deep in the playoffs. Um, But they're 0 and three. So that doesn't really surprise me. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I kind of have a similar outlook to you as the 0-3 Colts. Uh, that's a team that has a lot of strengths to them, right? Strong defense. Um, you thought a strong running back in Jonathan Taylor. I fucking drafted him in fantasy, and he's killing me this year. Yeah, it's but... a deep, deep running back room. And it was going to be hard to... It uh, doesn't help when you got good old two sprains at quarterback. The greatest nickname in all of football. Johnny Two Sprains and Carson Wentz, but... I mean, they've played the Seahawks, Rams, and Titans. It's essentially the same argument that you raised for the Lions. It's just, it's the AFC version, right? They've played three teams that you would assume to go deep in the playoffs. Going next, they play the Dolphins. Who, like, who knows? Um, Ravens, again, a team that you don't really know too much on. And then you got the Texans, right? Hopefully Tyrod's back for that. I mean, just just a guy you want to cheer for. Um, But yeah, I mean, the Colts, I think is a team that could go three and three, hopefully, you know, maybe, maybe one and two. Uh, yeah. I mean, in, with the, the talent on that bunch, team, you'd expect them to be a lot better. They just managed to, you know, lose within either one score or, or, you know, within 10 points every game. So it's a team that you're kind of scratching your head on, like, okay, everyone kind of thought you'd be better than this. Right. And hopefully you, you kind of turn it around, but it's uh, a Colts is a team that's, you know, like the Lions for the same reasons, intriguing and, I feel like I'm a little more confident in the Colts just because they have such a strong defense. Oh yeah. Right. And if Carson Wentz can still like, he's not played that bad in my opinion. It's just, they haven't really it's had some it. of the decisions he made. He's made have been horrible. <laughs> they, like, yeah. His games as a whole are, are solid. I'd say, but it's just like the one or two moments like Jamie's Winston had the same issue. He'd have very good games and it's just one or two breakdowns. And it's like, what are you doing, man? Um, but Carson Wentz, kind of the same thing. Like the shuffle pass interception last week. Come on. Like, <laughs> I understand that's the play, but at some point you have to make a read. Um, so so that's tough, but I, I'm with you. I think the Colts, the Colts should be, they should have at least one win to this point. They don't. It's going to be tough to come back from this. They should hover around 500, I think, at the end of the season. It's just a franchise. I feel so bad for them. Like it's such a tough ride they've had. It's like it's a team that goes from they could win a Super Bowl with Andrew Luck to Jacoby Brissett to Carson Wentz with two sprained ankles. Yeah, man, it's tough. It's tough for sure. Um, I mean, you know, you do. There was expectations for them to do well, but I think the expectations were even higher with the uh, Tennessee Titans, and they've kind of despite only being two and one, it's a team that you thought would be kind of more dominating in their wins. 
Um, very one dimensional, right? I think you said this again earlier about uh, Derrick Henry being able to game plan for him. Um, since, since I've been that, wrong in the last two weeks. <laughs> since he said that, he's gone off really well. But I mean, you AJ Brown really. I know this really well too because I have him on fantasy. Um, hasn't had a great season either. They're throwing a random receivers. They're turning into Buffalo. Yeah, and Julio Jones had a great game week two. Uh, week three was not the same guy. Was kind of invisible. Tannehill's forced to, like you said, throw it to either random guys or use his feet. Um, that defense has become res- not even respectable. Just like just gives their offense, you know, less pressure in the sense that they don't have to put up thirty-five to win the game. Right. It's, you know, 30, you know, 26, I think, like they scored today against the Colts. But if if that team man can just figure out their defense side and, and just limit the opportunities, right, stay on the field a little bit longer so you can give rest to, you know, Brown, Tannehill and Derrick Henry, the three headed monster. And this, yeah, this I mean, team could get really good at the end good. of the game. You got Derrick Henry on your team. Like as long as he's relatively fresh in the fourth quarter, you're going to have a chance to win the game. Like you should, there's not a whole bunch of teams that are going to be able to stop Derrick Henry for four quarters. It's kind of the run at the wall until the wall falls down. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know what you're going to get from them in Titans in terms of like an offense, like a game plan against them, yet they still kind of find ways to win games and, and Derrick Henry will just, you know, you, the team just goes on his back and just says, carry us. But you know, the, uh, the, the carrying is kind of like the, the cardiac Cardinals right now. And just the, the absolute interest, the team that is was a game. Oh my God. It goes from, holy shit. They're going to lose to one of the worst teams in the NFL in the past, probably four years, right. To easy win, right. They win what, what 31, 19, I think was yeah. the final score. And Kyler Murray, they win the game without Kyler Murray throwing a touchdown, which is pretty, uh, and pretty essentially without Deandre Hopkins. Yeah, so nothing. So Cardinals, yeah, three and zero. Good for them. That's uh, they're playing in the toughest division in uh, in the NFL right now. So it's trying to collect all these wins before they go play divisional games will be huge. So, what are your thoughts on on the Cardinals so far? They look good, man. Um, had Kyler Murray thrown a touchdown and not thrown an interception today, I think he's definitely in the MVP conversation. I mean, he definitely might be we're only three weeks in and there's not really a whole bunch of guys that have done a whole bo- whole lot uh i'm more focused on once again rookies should not play um and how atrocious trevor lawrence looks i mean this is a guy that he was touted as what the the most potential the most pro ready guy since what andrew luck to come out of the draft yeah I, I, pretty much yeah and he's got seven picks in three games it's not, it's a team that doesn't have a terrible wide receiver group. Like no, their offense got a couple is solid. Weapons, he's, he's got options and it's just it, like, it's starting to look like he can't make the reads. And I think the most ridiculous thing is like, I was in the car with my dad on the way to the rugby tournament last week. And all they're talking about on the radio, this was prior to week two games is Oh, Urban Meyer, you know, he, he might leave and go take the, the USC job. Like, what are you guys talking about? Like, it's week one. Like, I can only imagine, like, you got the young like, – it's a young team, right? And you, you kind of got this in their head now. Like, well, our coach is, seems like he's got one foot out the door. Like, why are we talking about this after one game? Like, the coach is invested. He took a year off last year to, to sort of game plan an entire year, specifically knowing he was going to get this job. Um, I think like that might be playing a factor, but it's, they really shouldn't play in their, in the first half of their rookie season, especially quarterbacks. You think that team would be better off if they had just kept Minshew for the first couple of weeks? I don't know. Like the trade made no sense. They give them away for nothing. Yeah. Sixth rounder. Fuck that, man. That's an, that's insurance. Like you can get way more. Like you're paying the guy 450 K. Like, why would you make that trade? They got CJ Berthead, whatever his name is. Berthard. Berthard. Nice reading skills, Brock. Yeah, no. like Guy looks good once a year for the 49ers in relief. (laughs) So, no, I totally agree. I think 
yeah, he's your first overall pick, but I mean, just the lifestyle, right? I mean, they, it's, it's interesting just because they say like Clemson, Alabama, right. Are the, are arguably the two best teams that prepare you for the NFL and that lifestyle that is, you know, practicing four or five days a week, you know, off day with video and then, you know, your, your game day. So those two schools are kind of like, you know, they're feeders to the NFL, but still, I mean, no one can, even when you're in the NFL, right. You've never been prepared for that. Right. Just like you do moving up as levels growing up. And, and once, you know, no matter what, what sport you're playing, once you get older and you move up, your things change. Right. So it's, you know, hopefully he can figure it out. He is in Trevor Lawrence. Cause that's a guy you want to see succeed. And I'm sure, you know, going from what he lost three games in all of college, like, like all of his he life. Never before, lost. He never, never lost. lost high school, college. He never lost. This is the first time he's ever lost. And he's lost three times in a row, but here's the thing. Why are you giving these guys jobs? Like specifically talking about Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, they had no competition because they traded Minshew in week two of the preseason or week one. That essentially takes any competition out. Um, They sort of did the same thing to Mac Jones, but that was after week three of the preseason. And at that point he essentially beat out Cam Newton. But why are you just giving these guys? I understand that you're drafting these guys for the future. But why are you just handing them to handing them the job essentially without making them work? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly it. Um, just just because I I know hockey really well, the the immediate thought that I had, you know, when you made that comment was two elite level prospects having to earn it. One being Cole Caulfield, right? You saw him with Montreal, kind of. They sent him back to Wisconsin. Yeah. I want to say was where he was playing, and he obviously dominated there. Right. And, you know, they bring him in, they, they kind of scratch him for first couple of games, throw him in minimal ice time and, you know, going into the season next year. Right. He's a top, really a top four winger on the team. And it's going to be a guy they rely for on, on PP one. And but there's that circumstance. Then you also see Spencer Knight, right. Goaltender for Florida. Right. He essentially ran a, a three goalie tandem right in in um, in Florida with Bobrovsky and Dreiger for the final what 12 games of the season and then in the playoffs. So those are two guys. Don't get me wrong. I'm not an idiot. I know hockey's way different than NFL and first round picks in the NFL are typically starting positions when they yeah. come in. But, you know, those are two examples of forcing a rookie who who's highly skilled and highly talented and having to earn their spot. Right. And obviously it worked for them. I think you've seen it also too in the NBA. Um, you'll probably see it this year with Scotty Barnes with the Raptors, right? They're saying that he's going to play kind of, you know, minimal minutes. We'll get valued minutes, right. In, in key situations, but you know, the Raptors got their guys in Boucher, Siakam, and they're going to kind of, you know, wait for, wait for Barnes to kind of, you know, develop his, his style, his life within the NBA and then kind of go forward. So, um, it's also a longer season though, too, right? So NHL, NBA, they have the time to kind of ease somebody in, but that's also the, what any NBA rookie contracts are three years, right? Two yeah, or three well, years. I, I think it's two years and then two team options, but like yeah. nine times out of 10, they always take them. NHL is three years with restricted yeah. free agent. There's a reason why NFL contracts are four years for rookies. Like they shouldn't be, if you, if you look at all that, essentially it's, it's three years of, of playing time for each of them. That first year on the NFL contract, like it, it shouldn't be like hounded on, um, especially for for a position like like quarterback I keep relating quarterback to to goalie because it's it, I think it's, so it's pivotal, as comparable like, yeah you you need you can't win without a good goalie or a good quarterback so um and you don't see goalies come in quick like they they got to figure everything out figure out the pro lifestyle adapt to the game I think quarterbacks once again need to do the same thing um but yeah, Let, let's just start talking about hockey. Yeah, I want, I want, okay. All right. So before we transition to hockey, I do want to say one more thing about the NFL and, and QB. So the, the thought is, right, you've seen with the, the Jets and the Jags are two teams that have got their quarterback and now trying to build their team going forward. Two immediate teams come to mind. You have the Browns, right? And then the Bucks. two teams that have had good, uh, good defense, right? Everything build else. Yeah. And then they get their quarterback. Which is I the think, way you should do it. Right. So this is this is something I think maybe going forward. I think well, the Browns is a perfect situation, right? They they brought in the, the elite defensive guys and then they brought in pieces, right? They got the wide receiver, they got Landry, right? They had the running backs and 
I think they, they had for sure had Chubb, maybe Hunt the first year Baker was there. But anyways, my point is they, they built around the team and then thought, okay, now we're ready for a quarterback, right? Now we can go either spend the, the 25 million that they, the Vikings did for Kirk Cousins when they thought that was the guy they needed, right? Or, you know, like um, the past, I guess in my mind, did it too, right? They brought in all the free agent pieces around him thinking, okay, we'll put the best team forward and then we'll get the quarterback. So maybe, maybe that's more of the model going forward. But I mean, then again, are you really going to pass up on the opportunity to draft Trevor Lawrence, who was regarded, like you said, as one of the best ever coming out of college? So, I mean, that's our final thought for uh, before we jump into hockey. But do you, uh, I mean, you've voiced this in the past, especially when, you know, when we play mad and then that's the way we build our teams. But what's uh, what's your thoughts before we talk to hockey? No, I 100% agree. That's that's exactly the way that I think things should be done. Um, I it, it also comes down to finding somebody who's going to take a team friendly contract so you can build around them too, which very hard to find. That, that's a, find. that's a conversation for another day. Cause I, we both can go on and on about that. <laughs> um, no, like you said, right. I mean, you know, finding a rookie contract, right. Rookies, NHL rookies are shining right now in the preseason. Um, what's, what's kind of your thought on, on the whole preseason in general? What are your uh, kind of expectations going in for the next two weeks or so when that NHL is back? I was surprised that John Tavares played yesterday. Good for him, man. Healthy. He's back, baby. Good for him. Yeah. No, glad to see him back. Uh, always NHL preseason is what? 12 games? 10 games? Somewhere around? I would say I don't know. I don't. You'll see. My I, I, I can't soon. say I, yeah. I follow it very often. I, I'm not a huge fan of preseason, but specifically with, with NHL and the fact like how many people you have within an organization, realistically, you don't get to see them play. And with PTOs, like, I think there should be games. I don't really like to see the stars play that early. Uh, good to see James Neal back on the scoreboard with a preseason hat trick yesterday. Um, Real deal Neal, lie, baby. Didn't realize he was in St. Louis. Um, and then we saw another one today with uh, good old Frankie Vitrano. Had a hattie. Um, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like preseason, not really my favorite thing. Uh, am interested to see the uh, Seattle Kraken play the Canucks tonight, though. Yeah, no, I, I kind of, yeah, I'm not a big, big guy in preseason hockey. Um, I got kind of a couple players I kept in mind to watch going forward. One of them was just the Seattle Kraken in general. I'm just so excited to see that them come, uh, come play in the NHL. Just want to and... see those jerseys on the ice, honestly. Oh my god, they're so nice. Um, I, you know, new is always better, right? Like, uh, like a wise man. Um, fuck. This is Barney Stinson. Thank you. Barney Stinson will put it forth. Um, yeah. So that division, you know, you'll be watching them a lot because they're playing your boys connects what seven times a year, six times Something a year like that. Yeah. But anyways, um, a couple other guys are, you know, for, for the fans at home to keep in mind, um, LA Kings, Quentin Byfield, you know, that's a guy that they brought in last year. Didn't really fit. Couldn't really find a hole within the team, sent him down to, uh, Ontario in the AHL and did pretty well. So hopefully he can find a spot this year. If that's a guy you want to look for, um, Toronto can't believe I'm saying watch a Toronto Maple Leafs game, but Nikita Gusev, that's a, a guy that, you know, from the KHL had success, had moments of success in New Jersey, ultimately didn't work out, went to Florida, you know, like Russians do, they like to go South and didn't really work there. So Toronto gave him a shot again, Dubis, your boy did a great job. I think at least giving that guy a shot, low risk it's value. Right. And then, um, little hometown favorite. Uh, New York Rangers, New York Rangers, Mark Barron um, guy played at sack, fuck sack. But I mean, <laughs> that's a uh, pumper prep school program in Canada, kind of like Shattuck for, for people who know they got bigger, bit of a bigger name, but that school is elite at pumping out NHL players um, guy for the Rangers. Rangers did a lot of uh, roster kind of overhaul becoming more physical. This is a guy that can play physical and can score. So if he were to make the team, he could be a surprise guy to go second or third line. Um, just a guy to watch going forward, but yeah, I mean, is there, um, anyone you want to think of or just kind of more just, you know, this could be a year for them to go in the NHL regular season. Yeah. I'm just, I'm kind of interested. I was interested to see uh primo play yesterday for, for the Habs. I mean, that's a guy that they've been pretty high on for, for a few years and they got Jake Allen, but I mean, if you can, if they have the chance to unload Jake Allen and free up that cap space, I think they're going to take every every opportunity they can um he did not show well yesterday 
Um, kind of interested to see Lafreniere in week or uh, not week year two. See if he can kind of shake off some of the cobwebs he had last year. New coach, uh, man. It's huge. Yep. No big dividends. Uh, and my my boy Pod Colson. Yeah, uh, you're amped for this guy, man. Word is he uh, he's looking pretty good. They also got this uh, this Klimovich guy. They took in the second round this year. He's, they signed him to a contract, and he's fighting for a spot on the team. Good for him, man. Nineteen. Playing yeah. in the NHL 18, 19. Oh, sick. second, second round pick this year. And he actually looks like he's got a shot. If he makes the team, he'd be the first second round pick to make it in their draft year since uh, good old Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, look how day. that turned out. <laughs> Guy's gonna be on the Hall of Fame. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, no, for sure. I'm cheering for him now, too. I hope he makes the team and, and let's see him just dummy. What kind of player is he? Well, he's Russian. Ooh, you know, ooh, so he's going to score goals. I think him and Pod Colson are, are very similar in uh, they play it's a little bit physical powerhouse style. Yeah. Uh, Pod Colson, for whatever reason, has the moniker the Russian Messier. It's a claim. That's a, fucking, yeah, that, that, that's a big that's claim. a comparison. Um, yeah, it's looking like he's going to start on the third line. Uh, maybe if they really want to load up the third line with skill, they go him, Hoglander, and uh, Dickinson. Uh, and that's then, a good third line. That, that's a solid third line. Good I'd rather have line. Pearson on the third line because I don't want Pearson in the top <laughs> six. Um, God, that guy's slow. But uh, it's looking like there's one or two spots on the Canucks roster up for grabs, uh, and it's going to come down to a whole bunch of prospects and then Chiasen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably a good locker room guy. That guy's been around the NHL for a couple of years and ten year vet. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we jump to random topic of the week, is there anything else you want to discuss in the world of sports? Um, I was going to give you a hard time about your boy, Joshua. Uh, I didn't really, yeah, have we can talk about that. that. That was a tough fight. Uh, UFC 266 was last night. The huge uh, card, right? Huge card, huge card. Shevchenko mopped the floor with Lauren Murphy. That girl oh. is unbeatable. Uh, <laughs> Dude, she's has, an animal, man. She's she so is, good. Man. Uh, Diaz Lawler was kind of, as you expected, two guys that are way past their prime. Diaz hasn't fought in six years, five years at this point. Uh, he verbally like put it out there. He didn't want to be in the cage, uh, this week said like he hates fighting has never liked it. Yeah. He's, he's doing it for the money, but I mean, if anybody, if you haven't watched that interview, if anybody listening to this hasn't watched that interview, if you want to see a guy who who truly like like doesn't want to be out there competing and like it, it it'll hit you watching the interview i definitely recommend it um and then that title fight the third round of that title fight was the single greatest round of mma i've ever watched like incredible like <laughs> thought ortega had the title sealed two times with submissions and then Volkanovsky comes back and beats the absolute living snot out of him and leaves Ortega lying on the ground gasping for air and then he somehow managed to get back up go two more rounds and then lost by unanimous decision but it was incredible um been a while since we've had a, a significant UFC card uh thankful it came back and wow was it was it a great one well, good breakdown. Um, the only thing I'm going to add to the Joshua fight is the better guy won, you know, which is being a huge Joshua fan that, that hurts to say, but he was easily outmatched in that round and the, the entire fight, really. I mean, Joshua was only, I guess, the leader for maybe four of the 12 rounds, right? Even that you could argue one of the rounds, safe to say three of them, but still like he, he just never really had a chance to take usage. Is that his name? Sure. Let's go with it. Yeah, you just down. He man, he was so good. He was so quick, which really came down to it. I feel like Usage was able to kind of come in to Joshua. Joshua being the bigger guy, hit a couple shots. He targeted the head a lot, right? Joshua was even bleeding quite a bit near the end and was really fe- uh, feeling the punches. But I mean, his overall quickness. I think the southpaw played a role in the fight as well. And 
was able to also come at times. He didn't even look like a southpaw, right? Cause he was throwing so hard of a right-handed punch that Joshua was then having to kind of adapt to both arms. And I think Joshua was more of a clear right-handed swinger. So th- that kind of combo and ultimately resulted in usage kind of coming out on top. Good for him. Uh, guy won the fight guy kicked Joshua's ass. And I mean, Joshua will hopefully be back next, but you are someone who thought that if Joshua were to ever fight Fury, that he would get his ass absolutely handed to him. Yeah, threw and a that looks bit like of a wrench in the whole plans. I mean, Joshua's yeah. got his uh, his automatic uh, rematch card that he can pull. I'm assuming he would. We got the the Fury Wilder match Part three. Yeah, next month or or yeah. something. It's coming up soon. Um, and then I think Fury outlined his whole plan. I think he's got another fight he was going to take before he fought Joshua. So that lines up, but it, it makes things a little bit more complicated now. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's pretty much what everyone wanted, right? Fury, Joshua. And those are two guys that, you know, would attract so many of the boxing eyes away from the Jake Paul <laughs> debacles. It would and do very fighting. good things for boxing. So in that fight, you know, two guys that are really beloved, right? You don't have too many people actually hating Joshua. Like he's a remarkable guy. Right. Fury's got the great story, like you've said in the past, and he's a very good interviewer, interviewee, I should say. Right. Does really well with media and just all in all, both seem like really cool, interesting guys. So that fight, yeah, like you said, won't happen for a while. But I mean, let's uh, let's kind of jump to uh, the writing topic of the week. Right. Like, you know, we've said in the past, Fury's got a good story. But is there a story that you feel like Hollywood should take a hold of either Hollywood or maybe um, Netflix take like a documentary on a sports, either career, um, you know, a world series pennant, like anything, like a couple other episodes or just a kick-ass movie about a certain team in a certain era. Uh, we're going just team team player. Totally. Doesn't matter. Just Bobby ultimately Bob. Oh yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. little dark though, but that would be hell of dark, a movie, but like a Netflix, that's a documentary a series, Netflix limited yeah. series. I think I think that 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 could be a solid one, but yeah, a, li- a little dark, darker than uh, than what one might hope for. But yeah, for sure, I think that's a story that at some point needs to be told. I think uh, I want to say the hockey news went really deep into yeah. that whole story a couple of years back, and yeah, I mean it's a great article to read, and you know if you need something while you're on the can and, and you still read books instead of you know looking on your phone and going on instagram that's a good one to, to read about um personally you know kind of going on a little more positive i think a documentary series about the la kings run in the 2012 just how they absolutely handled teams and then handled themselves off the ice this is a team that liked to get after it while living in la um i think that would have been pretty cool but also you know sticking with that la theme is the wayne gretzky like era like before they got Gretzky while they had him and a little bit afterwards. Cause if you listen to a single Chicklets episode, they'll talk about Gretzky and the life he had when he lived in LA. Like he was going into clubs, he was meeting celebrities and just the whole city of LA embraced Wayne Gretzky and took him on. And now we saw them grow and grow to fans, become the Kings, right? The Kings do well. Now the ducks do enough to stay a team, right? Um, San Jose's there. San Jose's there and there's more shark fans than you would think out, out there in California, as well as you're seeing more of a, an NHL impact, right? You have guys coming from the NHL, uh, Thatcher Demko being one from California that plays in the NHL. Um, but yeah, like I said, right, the whole Wayne Gretzky impact on California or the 2012 run for the Kings, that was fucking sick. Um, I feel like either one would be a pretty sick, uh, pretty sick documentary. That I would love to watch. So yeah, I mean, any of your uh, 10 listeners or decide to become a, a studio head, there you go. There's your uh, first idea into uh, running the show. I I couldn't agree more. I I most definitely watch either one of those. All right. Well, there we go. 62 episodes down, more than 62 to go. Thank you for everyone listening. A matter of opinion. Uh, what? Anything you want to add before we uh, kick this one off? No, nah, man. Moo. Moo, baby. There you go.